What is up, everybody? This is your boy Kyrie from I Think I Know Basketball coming to you guys from quarantine at my house on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, obviously, not a whole lot of basketball going on right now, um, you know, because of all the madness that's been going on. Also, quick PSA on that note stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands, observe social distancing rules, all that stuff. Don't be going out doing crazy stuff and standing in lines at the grocery stores and the bars and all that stuff. It's not worth it. This isn't a joke. Take it seriously. You know, obviously it's not the end of the world, but take care of yourselves. We at I Think I Know Basketball love you, and we want you to keep listening to our show, and we want you to stay healthy. So please do that for us. Anyway, as I mentioned, no basketball actually going on right now due to the fears about coronavirus. And obviously we've seen a bunch of NBA players and and coaches actually testing positive for the virus. So this is no joke. You know, it's, you know, spreading throughout the league started with, as far as we know, right, started with um, Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. He gave it to his teammate Donovan Mitchell um, and it's crazy, actually, um, doing a reporting job with WBUR. You know, I was looking into some of the after effects with, you know, before they closed down the schools, talking to teachers and activists about, um, you know, the irritation about the fact that the schools weren't being closed. Come to find out, um, one of these local schools had a boy who was exposed to Donovan Mitchell through a social works program that Donovan Mitchell was working at. You know, Donovan Mitchell shook this little boy's hand and he was walking around at school, potentially exposing, you know, all, all of his classmates and stuff like that. Not that he knew about it, right? You know, he, he had no idea. And it's like that kind of thing, right? Like, you know, we got to be careful about this. And it sucks that basketball is canceled. And, you know, who knows when it's going to be back. You know, it could be back for the playoffs. The playoffs could get pushed back. They might just nix this entire year. You never know what could happen. But it's worth it for the price of keeping people safe. You know, not having this thing spread throughout the league. So we got to bear with it. However, unexpected fruit, you know, has been kind of born from this. For those of you guys who aren't aware, and those of you guys who don't have NBA League Pass, NBA.com did us all a solid and opened up its League Pass archives for this time when we're all stuck at home without a whole lot to do. That means you get to go back and watch games, you know, condensed replays, you know, all that stuff from like this entire season, pretty much. You can go back and watch the best games of the year and uh, NBA.com actually has you know, a cool article out where it details, you know, some of the best games that have taken place. You can watch your favorite team. You can watch, you know, other teams from around the league. You know, you can, you can do whatever you want. All the games are available to you. But the other cool thing that happened uh, that you might not be aware of is that NBA.com has also made a lot of classic NBA games available to watch on League Pass in their entirety, which is pretty cool. Like, obviously... You, know, you can go on YouTube and find a lot of these classic games, uh, particularly if they've been, if they've happened, you know, sometime in the last like 20, 30 years or something like that. But some of these older games from the 60s and 70s and stuff like that, you know, from like really back in the day, sometimes you can't always find those. And NBA.com and League Pass have, you know, made some of those games available. So I've actually been trying to take the time to go back and watch some of these legends from the 60s and 70s play ball, man. And it's pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I know I watched a lot of basketball starting kind of in the late 90s. So, I mean, I grew up 
35, 40 minutes outside of Chicago in the middle of the 90s. So you didn't have any other choice but to be a Bulls fan. And it was almost just, it didn't make any sense to have any other favorite player but Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm kind of taking this opportunity, um, not just on League Pass, but on YouTube to kind of reacquaint myself with my roots in that way, with my basketball roots. I've been doing that a little bit, um, again, both with League Pass and YouTube, but I want to focus on one particular game and, and I want to talk about it with you guys, actually. And, you know, maybe you guys can, can check this game out for yourself, again, on League Pass or on YouTube. You can find them, you know, on, on either one, which is um, the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers game five of the 1989 Eastern Conference semifinals. For those of you guys who aren't familiar with why I would pick this game or why League Pass in particular listed this game as a classic, you might remember this. The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Set the Cleveland Cavaliers. Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. He gives to Jordan. Jordan to the circle. Puts the shot in the air. Good! The game's over. And the Bulls have won. Jordan beat him at the buzzer with a jump shot in the circle. And Chicago has knocked off the Cavs 101-100. The shot. I can't tell you how many times I went to the blacktop and practiced that shot. Coming from the right side of the floor, dribble with your left hand a couple of times, hang in the air at the free throw line and put it up. I actually remember the first, the very first time I ever practiced that shot, I made it and, and I, I forgot to do the classic Jordan celebration because I was so surprised it actually went in, you know, it, it was, it was like that, you know, but, but like that is one of the greatest Michael Jordan moments of all time by far. Like, and, and, and this was before he ever won a championship. He, he was already, you know, the best player in the league. He'd won an MVP by that point. He was he was destroying the league for most parts. He just before that he had put up like he had put up a 37 point season. Like this man was crazy. But it was before things had fully coalesced for the Bulls. You know, Scottie Pippen was there. Horace Grant was there. You know, in that in that 89 series and stuff like that. So so the the makings of it. And Bill Cartwright was there too. The makings of it were there, but. The whole squad wasn't fully put together and Jordan still couldn't get past the Detroit Pistons. For one thing, watching young Jordan, you know, I, I watched older Jordan, older Bulls Jordan live, you know, so when he was like 35, you know, 33, 34, 35 years old, I remember that Jordan, you know, the, the fadeaway Jordan who you know, was hitting jump shots all over people. He'd dunk, you know, every once in a while. Like he could still, you know, obviously dunk and like dunk on people, but it was it was more measured. You know, he, he would only bust that out at certain times, and he relied on the the finesse in his game, the the knowledge, and you know, the experience more in those later years. Young Jordan was just a force of nature, man. Like young Jordan was, was crazy. Like I'm sitting here watching him run around, you know, with this, the, the, the easy grace with the way that, that he could move around the court, but the speed, man, young Jordan was fast and yeah, he could fly. 
like I, I I'll, I'll get to I'll get to some of that later. You know, I, I, I want I want to save some of that for my actual analysis of the game, man. But I'm just if you have not watched much of young Jordan play basketball and he's like he's like 26 or whatever at, at this point in time, you know, so he's not like young, young. He's been in the league for like four years, but I still you know, call that you know, young Jordan comparatively. If you haven't watched much of that, you should do it because it was a treat, man. Watching Jordan at the height of his physical ability is I, I feel like I feel like people get it in their head that Jordan only got to where he was because he he worked hard. You know, he, he didn't come into the league with a with a whole lot of talent or, you know, a whole lot of uh, fanfare or whatever. But he worked hard and you know, made something out of himself. It's like, then you don't know anything about this dude. Do not get this twisted. Like he was crazy. Like he was so far and above. And I mean, it wasn't even like there weren't good athletes. Like people make the plumber jokes and whatnot. And it's kind of funny. Like when I watch this Cavs game, you know, like Craig Elo and Mark Price, like they look like some like accountants or whatever, like some paper pushers at the office. And it's like these dudes are out here playing NBA basketball and playing at a high level. Like they're good players. You know what I mean? But it wasn't like there weren't good athletes, great athletes in the NBA at this time. Jordan was just too much. Like. I'm telling you, go back and watch some of this stuff and, and, and not just the highlights, like watch the full games of him doing stuff. And for example, there's a play that happened in this game. You ain't going to see on a highlight reel, but it, it shows you exactly what I'm talking about. And I'll get to that later. But, you know, let, let's let's go ahead and, and, and talk about this game a little bit, a little bit of background, like just before this. So this is back when. You know, some of these semifinal series, they weren't seven game series. They were five, best of five, right? So first to three games wins. The Bulls had a 2-1 lead um, going into game four. Jordan dropped like 50 points in game four and went crazy. But he missed a key free throw late in the game. And the game ended up going to overtime and the Cavs lost. And the Bulls lost. And so the Cavs tied it up at 2-2. And, and, you know, some of the criticism that he was getting for missing that free throw, like they were really coming after him at this time, right? You know, you're it's it's winner take all. This was a good Cavs team. And, you know, it wouldn't be the first time Jordan would knock out a pretty good Cavs team. By the way, it sounds odd to say good Cavs team before LeBron James showed up. But that was a thing that did happen. So, Let's get into it and talk a little bit about what happened. First, I want to talk about some of the interesting things that I saw in this game before I get into some cool plays and ultimately the defining play that ends the game. So first off, Ron Harper as a Cleveland Cavalier, as a late 90s Bulls fan, I'm familiar with Ron Harper because he was the point guard of the Chicago Bulls later on in in his career and then he became point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers when they won a couple of championships you know what I mean so so like that's my knowledge of him and then of course I turn on this game and Ron Harper's in here and I'm like what like I didn't even realize and is it Ron Harper with hair this is before he copied Jordan and went all bald and stuff like that and of course Ron Harper scores the Cavs like first four points or whatever it is you know with a couple of mid-range jumpers which kind of takes me to my next thing the style is so different man so 
looking at the box score, like how many times do you see a game today where both teams are under 50 points at halftime? That used to be a normal thing in the NBA because it was a lot low scoring and teams didn't take as many threes. And so I'm watching this and like they they would have wide open attempts at threes and just purposefully not shooting. Like they would, they would take a step inside the three point line and take that, you know, 18, 20 foot jumper all the time. Didn't even matter. Like nobody cared. Nobody was calling it a bad shot. It's like the difference between today's game and the game of yesteryear really seems like now it's, it's all about the, the analytics part, which is, you know, a three is better than a two. And, and so, you know, threes and layups. Obviously, you take a layup or a dunk, right? Or something, you know, close inside in the paint. But otherwise, nobody, team front offices and coaches and stuff, try to dissuade players from taking long twos because why not just step back and, and take a three at that point? Because three is worth more than two. That's the kind of philosophy that, say, like the Houston Rockets run on, right? And that's how they'd be scoring, like, you know, they'll have games where it's like 160 to 159 or whatever it is because everybody's just jacking up threes. But it's like in this game, it's basically the closer you are to the basket, the better the shot is how it seemed like they thought of it back then. Guys feeding the ball into Doherty of the Cavaliers, you know, their big center, or on the bull side, you're feeding it into Bill Cartwright and trying to get some easy looks inside, you know, or feeding it into Horace Grant and trying to see if you get a hook shot, you know, or, or a layup off the glass and then get some offensive rebounds. Like this, this whole three-point shooting thing like really hadn't taken hold yet. I had almost forgotten in a way what that looked like. Um, and then real quick, third observation, I'll keep it quick. Uh, Bill Cartwright's jumper, his shot form is so funny. Like, I, like, okay, if you, if you haven't seen it, like you, you got to check this out. Um, you know, like look up a YouTube video or whatever it is. I don't understand how this man made a jump shot or, or like even thought about attempting jump shots. Like you've seen some ugly jumpers. All right. Like some, like Lonzo ball, when he came into the league had a real ugly jumper, you know, he's like bringing the ball all the way up from his, like he's a right-handed shooter, but he's like contorting his elbow and bringing the ball all the way up from his left side and like hoisting it back over his face and, you know, chucking it, you know, or whatever. It, it just, it just made no sense. And I mean, obviously he's cleaned it up a lot since then. So well done Lonzo ball, but like Bill Cartwright's jumper was that on crack. He's leaning to his left. He's got both arms at like a 45 degree angle like over his left shoulder and kind of brings his arms and stuff like that like up towards his left ear and and just chucks the ball toward the basket from there like he doesn't like he doesn't point his elbow to the basket like none of that I just I don't understand it I feel like I need to go to a court like once this is all once once we're all good and like we can all go outside and stuff like that I need to go to a court and attempt this shot because I don't know how he ever made anything ever. And of course, Bill Cartwright goes to the free throw line early in the game and immediately swishes two free throws, like nothing but net. And I'm just like, I, I can't. I don't even know how you do this. Kind of point number four, I've talked about Jordan and his athleticism. He would be in the air so long when he would take a t- like a contested jumper or like even sometimes he'd take an uncontested jumper. He's just like up in, in the air 
for a ridiculously long time. And I just, I just don't even know how that's physically possible. And then like, there would be these times where he's, he's attacking the basket and there would be three guys closing in on him. Like, like, you know, there, he would have, he would have the lane of the, the basket and he takes off from, you know, a little bit inside the free throw line. And there's three dudes getting ready to close down and he just goes up and the other guys go up too, but he goes up higher than them. And not only that, but he goes up higher than them. And even if there's an arm up there, well, he just chills out until the guy's arm goes down and Jordan is still up there, like levitating in the air, waiting for everybody else to drop towards the earth. And then he rolls, he finger rolls the ball into the basket or does a jumper. Like, man, there was like, there was one shot that I saw in this game where he jumps from like the right or kind of the center right side of the lane, like inside the free throw line. And again, it, it's a contested shot. And the guy's got his arm up there the whole time. And he's got the ball up over his head. It's not really in a great shooting form. He's just got it up there. And he's just hanging, hanging, hanging. The other guy is like, uh, I can't be up here forever and falls back down to earth. And then Jordan repositions the ball in his arms in the air. He started on the right side of the lane and in the air drifted all the way to the left side by the time he landed. I swear he was in the air for like five seconds. I mean, I know he wasn't, but that's how it, that's how long it felt. It's like, when are you going to come down is mesmerizing. And everybody else is just watching this. Like, we need you to come down. We need you to like put the ball in the basket real quick so that we can continue the game. And Jordan is just like up there in the clouds, looking down at you peons, like, you can't even get on this level. How, what's the weather like down there? You know what I mean? Like, it, I just don't even understand. And again, right? So so I talk about, you know, the, the highlights, right? Like everybody, you know, talks about the highlights. Jordan had a play in this game where Bill Cartwright blocks a shot. And Jordan collects the rebound, passes it ahead. You know, I think it was to like Craig Hodges or something like that. And I want to say, you know, Craig Elo. Yeah, Craig Elo was down there. The guy he makes the shot over later, of course. Craig Elo's down there. And I think like Larry Nance or somebody was also closing in on the play. And you just you you know, you already know. Like you're begging Hodges to give this ball back to Jordan so you can do what you know he's about to try to do. He feeds it back to him, and Jordan takes off from just inside the free throw line. And yeah, there are two calves down there, but it it looks like it doesn't matter. He jumps up for that iconic Jordan one hand tomahawk where he looks like he is straight up flying. Like he he looks like like he jumped off a trampoline or that there's like booster rockets in his shoes or whatever, like in that commercial he did back in the day. And he goes up over both those guys. He misses the dunk, just slams it off the back of the rim and it goes out of bounds and it's a turnover and the Cavs fans love it because yeah it's a turnover didn't mean anything or whatever it actually it was it was Ron Harper uh funny enough that was the other Cavalier down there it wasn't it wasn't Larry Nance Larry Nance I think was trailing on the play it was Ron Harper because Ron Harper runs like kind of down the court you could see him in the vicinity of where Jordan was I'll tell you what if Jordan had landed that dunk that might have been a top 10 Jordan highlight like that's the kind of dunk that would destroy Twitter these days. Like if he had hit that, you know what I mean? 
And I swear, Ron Harper running off the screen like, oh, thank God, because that was about to be a poster. And my career might have been over. Like, I might not have been able to step foot on a basketball court ever again because Jordan would have murdered me. And then I wouldn't have won three championships with him down the road. So and let's go ahead and, and get to kind of the summary and the big plays of the game. So, like I said, you know, the Cavaliers are Michael Jordan. didn't He didn't really do much in the first half. I think he had 14 points in the first half, but he wasn't shooting particularly well. I think he had like his first field goal. He didn't even attempt a field goal until the first quarter was basically wound down. You know, he had a driving layup and, you know, that was his first point. He also really struggled from the free throw line. And I think that there was that element of, I don't know if he was pressing or he just didn't quite have it at, at the moment or whatever, but his, his free throw shooting was not good in this game. And the Cavs fans were letting him have it. Like they were, they were reveling in it. It was loud in there. I mean, it was, it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. And you got this feeling like, man, you really needed to see that, that signature performance. You needed to see the greatness come out. And Jordan delivered, man, 14 points in the first half, ended the game with 44, dropped a 30 piece in the second half. In the end of the game with, you know, nine rebounds, six assists, he, he just had an all around goat level game. And he was on a mission to do it. And and really, the, the sequence of events is what really made it amazing at the end of this game. So, so I mean, let, let's kind of skip to it. Let's skip to the end of this game. So about 15 seconds left, the Bulls have their second to last possession. Pippen brings it across, defended by Harper. 11 seconds to go. In the middle of the floor, Jordan has it. And Jordan puts up a jumper and hits with six seconds to go. Jordan hits the basket and now has 42 points in the game. And the Cavaliers have called a timeout. They have Jordan drives on Elo. Six seconds Jordan left in the game. Cans it to give the Bulls a one-point lead. That could have been Jordan's game winner. So, so he he essentially, like that last 20 seconds, like that was all Jordan, pretty much. Um, it was basically just get the ball to him and let him do the thing, you know? And so he makes that shot with six seconds left. And the Cavaliers call timeout. They go down on the other end, so about six seconds left, and draw up a great inbounds play. Elo will inbound. He gets it into Nance, gets the ball back, drives to the hoop, lays it in with three seconds to go. They feed it into the post real quick. Craig Elo comes running in off the inbound, basically uncontested until the very last minute for this layup. And the crowd goes crazy. Cleveland's up. 100 to 99 you just get this feeling like wow the home team gets this amazing play to take the lead back it, it was just all coming up calves you felt in this moment if you didn't know the outcome like the calves were going to take this game that they were going to be the team that went on to the eastern conference finals and you could just see it right like the, the Cavs, they were giving it everything they had every last thing and, and you can hear on the on the broadcast so actually it's a good setup here so it's Dick Stockton and Hubie Brown on the call. So I guess that's another interesting thing, right? You know, Hubie Brown is still over here calling basketball games and, you know, big games at that with, with iconic moments. And, you know, Dick Stockton and Hubie Brown are talking about the fact that Craig Elo 
is dealing with an injured ankle. He's limping across the court. Like the main, it looks like he could barely stand. He just got popped in the mouth by Jordan inadvertently, you know, on Jordan's go ahead basket, just that possession before. So he's getting beat up all over the place. You had Mark Price, who, you know, was the starting guard, starting point guard for the Cavs. He's dealing with an injured groin and they're just out here balling and, and, you know, playing their hearts out and looking like they got a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And the place is rocking. It's a bedlam. Bulls have to call timeout and set up an inbounds play. And everybody and their mom, everybody knows what's coming. Michael Jordan is about to take this shot. It's just a matter of how it happens. And so the Cavs, there's no debate about what happens next, right? If you're the Cleveland Cavaliers, you double team. And honestly, you probably should have triple teamed him. But, you know, obviously with a team only needing two points to win, you can't just give up an easy layup. So the Cavs know that Jordan is going to get this inbound and try to do something. So they opt to double team him right from the get-go. You got Larry Nance, by the way, you know, if you've heard the name Larry Nance Jr. over with the Cleveland Cavaliers and formerly of the Lakers, that would be his dad. Great player. And I believe the first slam dunk champion. So, hey. Then you had Craig Elo actually matching up with Jordan here. So Jordan gets away with a little bit of a push off on Nance to get the inbounds pass. And then it's just, it's just magic. Zellers has Jordan. Jordan with two seconds to go. Puts it up. It's gone at the buzzer. Michael Jordan has won it for Chicago. If you're any kind of basketball fan, you've probably seen this a million times. You don't really need me to describe it for you. Like, you know what happens. But again, it's just watching it happen in the course of the game itself. And the way that he just suspends in the air. Elo goes up and and plays about as good of a defense as you could possibly play in this situation. Like, yeah, he got beat a little bit off the catch and dribble by Jordan as Jordan takes those those dribbles towards the free throw line, but he recovers and he gets the hand right up there. It's right there. But again, Jordan just, just jumps up in the air and, and hovers and stays there. And the world like slows down for that moment that he's just hanging out in the air and waiting for Craig Elo to just come back down to earth. And then he he takes the shot and drills it. And they don't show the celebration on the TV broadcast that that they that they do later, right? You know, the, the one where you're watching from behind and Jordan puts up the shot and it, it pans straight to him and he jumps up in the air and does the wild leg kick and fist bumps and his teammates mob him and, and stuff like that. You you don't you don't get to see that part. Until, you know, much, much later. Like, I don't think that was a part of the TV broadcast at all. But you see it, right? He he drills this improbable shot. And then kind of off to the side, you know, like at, at the bottom of the screen, you see Craig Elo watch this ball go in and throw his arms up in disgust and throw himself on the ground because he can't, he can't believe it. Who could? Who could possibly believe that? If you're if you're an opponent and you did everything you could, but Michael Jordan was just operating on a different plane of existence than you. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man, like there was really nobody like him. And it's been really fun to kind of, 
again, rediscover that. And I look forward to watching a little bit more of that while we're all doing our quarantine deal. And I hope you guys take up some of that on your own too. check out League Pass, you know, check out those free games if you can. Um, and definitely check out YouTube, you know, watch some old games, man, you know, because obviously, you know, we watch a lot of the stuff from from this year, but you can watch that at any time, you know, and, and most you know what happened, you know, you probably followed it a little bit or you've at least, you know, if you're not a big basketball fan, right, like, you know, you are aware of the headlines and stuff like that, of, you know, LeBron James and Zion Williamson and Kawhi Leonard and all that stuff like, like you, you know, more or less what's been going on this year, but Man, like if, if you've kind of fallen out of touch with the NBA or it's just uh, you don't really have a good scope of like how the game was played back then, check that stuff out, man, because I think basketball history is is amazing. It's excellent stuff. And uh, I think that you, you can never go wrong with watching uh, old Michael Jordan games. Um, and I know that I already got my eye on another one that's on League Pass. And that's game one of the 1997 NBA Finals, which I did watch. Six-year-old Kyrie Thompson watched that game. And I would love to watch it again and just kind of share it with you guys uh, for another episode. So uh, stay tuned. It's your boy Kyrie with I Think I Know Basketball. And we will be back.